Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. This week is part two of our three-part series on questions to ask your OB. This week, we're specifically talking about questions to ask about labor and delivery. Now, before we get into the episode, I just want to hit pause for a moment and I wanted to announce something that we have been working on for a very long time and we are very excited about. So, what we want to tell you about is that at the end of September, we are launching our exclusive mommy mentorship program. Now, this is really an exciting thing because we have been working out on it for a very long time. And this program is meant for women who are pregnant right now, who are feeling stressed and overwhelmed or intimidated about becoming a mom all the information that goes along with becoming a mom, how to care for your baby, and then also feeling like you're going to lose yourself. So we've developed this program, pretty much everything that we wish we had when we were first-time moms. And a really easy way to find out about this program is if you head over to our website, bestlifemomsclub.com, and you go to our freebie page, you can sign up for a copy of the questions to ask your OB that go along with last week's episode, this week's episode. And then by doing that, you will also receive an invitation to join our exclusive mommy mentorship program. You can also go to the website and click on the mommy mentorship page where there's some information outlining what the program is and parts of the program. But don't worry, we will be giving you a lot of information about this program coming very soon. But we just wanted to take a moment and let you know that this is happening and it's coming soon. End of September, we are launching our exclusive mommy mentorship program and we are so excited. Now, with that out of the way, let's go into the episode. This week, we are talking about part two of our three-part series uh, about questions to ask your OB, specifically these questions about labor and delivery. So, Amanda, last week our list was very thorough about pregnancy, and this week I think we have another very thorough list about questions about labor and delivery for your OB. It's amazing how many questions you actually come up with when you start thinking about things. And then with both of us putting our heads together, like I just feel like our list of questions is almost endless. Oh, I know. And like my... So my list on my phone just keeps getting bigger and bigger for when I go see my OB this week. My list is very big already well, of questions. And now all you have to do is click print. 
<laughs> because we have the lists all done for everybody. So all they have to do is sign up on the website, click print, and then take it to the OB. Exactly. So the first question that I have about labor and delivery for an OB is, and I think it's a really important question, is how far along will your doctor let your pregnancy go before you plan or do an induction? Are you going to be let to go 40 weeks, 41, 42? Like every doctor is different in what they do. So I think that is a really good question to kind of figure out what the plan is of how far along you'll be allowed to go. Yeah, because you don't want to be pregnant forever. And at least then you know uh, what the, the end date is. And this is something that you really do have to listen to your doctor about because your doctor is the professional. And I read an article about these natural birthing people who um, don't believe in induction and then um, they just let the pregnancy go on and on. And sometimes it doesn't work out so well. So induction is there for a reason. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like at a certain point, rates change and diminish after you reach a certain point. So that's a really important thing to talk to your doctor about. Yeah, it just becomes unsafe for you and unsafe for the baby. So yeah. ask as many questions about induction as you want, how it's done, when it's done, and why it's done. Oh, these are like a whole new list about questions for induction. I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah. neither of us have been induced, so we don't know... Like this is not something that I've experienced and obviously you haven't either. So the list of questions for induction is a whole new range that we didn't even come across. So what is your second question? Okay, this is one of the ones I like was one of the first things that I asked about labor and delivery when I was pregnant with Freya was what are my options for pain management? Oh, yes. Uh, right? Yes. Because <laughs> I knew that like I'm, I don't have a birth plan, right? Because the best plan is to be flexible and open to the changes and what needs to happen. But I want to know what my options are. So I wanted to know, you know, what are the levels, kind of this ladder of pain management? And I do know that like our hospital offers nitrous oxide, which not all hospitals do, where you have a mask and you inhale it as a pain management tool. So I wanted to know about that as well, because... Some hospitals offer certain things, some don't. So it's important to ask. And you're not going to get a medal for not taking pain management, right? Like at the end of it, like if you decide to go natural, like definitely do whatever you need to do. But if you decide you're going for the meds, like it's completely fine to have a medicated birth. Either way, you get a baby. So. Yeah, and the goal is a healthy baby and a healthy mom. So do exactly for you. I personally am all for the epidural, but I wanted to know what the stages were and what my options were because for me, I am not a fan of pain at all. Like I don't do well with pain, so I needed to know what was available for me at all times. And if you've decided that you're going to get pain management and they come in the room and ask if you want it, say yes, because if you've listened to our podcast episode with Caitlin, she had the vaginal birth with the vacuum. I forget what episode it was, but she ended up not getting the meds when she really wanted them because she thought she'd hold off a little bit. So if you're going to go for the pain management and they come in and say, do you want it? Yes, you want it. 
Okay, so I do have to like just clarify that she did say yes, I want it. And then she was like, but I can go a little bit longer. And during that time of little bit longer to I want it, the anesthesiologist had to go into emergency surgery and was delayed for two and a half hours. And it was excruciating to be in the room with because Katie was there. I was one of her support persons with her husband. And it was a very difficult two and a half hours of just watching the door waiting for those footsteps to come down the hall. So you never so, know what could happen. Exactly. So if they say, hey, you ready for the pain meds? Yes, I'm ready. Not, ah, oh, I could hold off. <laughs> so now when she has her second baby, I think she's going to say, get me the meds. Plus too, like there's blood work that has to be done and put in place for certain, for like your epidural, you have to get a whole bunch of blood work done. So that means you have to have a phlebotomist come up. I know like I've had, I've had all the options of pain medication that we've had, that we have at our hospital. I had the nitrous. I had the morphine shot with Finn. I've had the epidural. Those are the only three options that we have. So I've had all three. Interesting. Okay. So um, number three, what are the signs of labor? <laughs> I think this is as a new, as a new mom, like this is another huge question of like, how do I know if I'm in labor? Because there are three stages of, of labor. If you didn't know, there's early active and transitional labor. And all three have different signs of being in that stage of labor. So what are the signs of early labor? Amanda, do you know? You want to know what? I probably knew when we did our birth class four years ago, but I, I couldn't tell you now. No, no. I can. <laughs> but you also had C-sections, right? So, but it's important to know what these signs, what to be looking for when you go into labor. Um, and what are oh, the early sure. signs? Even if you're planning on having a C-section, you still need to know what the early signs of labor is because if your baby's breech, you still need to go to the hospital and have a C-section so that you can deliver your baby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, a massive, massive question is, are what are the signs of labor? Because, you know, you can look online, uh, but ultimately your doctor will be able to give you the common ones and the un uncommon ones. So I think super important to ask. What's number four? Who will be my delivery doctor? So this is, depends on your hospital and your doctor and how they work. So will it be your, your OB doctor who you see on a regular basis for your appointments? Or could it be whoever is on call that day? For us, Amanda, if you are in labor, we don't necessarily get to see our, our OB and have our OB deliver our baby. It's just whoever of the six OBs in our hospital is working on shift that day. Yeah, and you actually didn't have our OB deliver either one of your, your babies. No, I did have the same OB deliver both of them just by fluke. Um, and she was amazing. But I, yeah, my, our OB would come, well, actually after Freya, after I had Freya, when he, his shift came into the hospital, he came in on, I think it was the Monday or the Tuesday, and he came to my like, maternity ward room just to check on me and see because he had gotten the paperwork that I had delivered, but he wasn't there. And it's funny because the same doctor that delivered both Finn and Freya saw me when I was pregnant with Caroline because we went to the hospital one night because I'm like, something doesn't feel right. And it was when I was, I guess, 37 weeks pregnant. And I thought maybe she was coming and she was actually getting in position. She was lowering herself 
So I had all this, this weird sensation and uh, it was actually that doctor who was the one who checked me out. So uh, if I did have to deliver that night, which I didn't, it would have been that doctor who delivered. So. Where you, on the, on the other hand, you've had our doctor, our OB deliver all three of your kids. Like, yeah, because I had a scheduled C-section, our OB will do the C-section for his patients. <laughs> on the days that he's there, he's in the hospital. So yeah, I, that, but every hospital is different. I've also heard of situations where a woman goes into labor and her doctor is working at another hospital. And so all of a sudden she has to have another doctor, someone that she's never met or heard of, deliver her because she's been at another her doctor is working at another hospital like that happens too so I think if you know going in that there's a chance you're not going to have your doctor it's less traumatic or stressful when you find out that your doctor isn't in the hospital when you're going to give birth and I know that there is a online Facebook group for moms in our city so people talk about OBs and you kind of get an idea of what the different OBs are like based on what some of the moms said. And lucky for us, we have some very good OBs in our hospital, so we don't really need to worry about which one you get. But it's just nice to have an idea of what they're like. So like people will comment on different things about different OBs. And so when you meet one of the OBs, you kind of know what to expect, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then that also kind of leads into going off of, okay, well, who could be my doctor when I go into labor? <laughs> the ultimate question of what do I do when I go into labor? <laughs> like pretty important to know. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, you know, there's like the, Oh shit moment. Like, uh, either my water broke or I'm having contractions. Like there's that dramatic piece where you're just like, uh, and uh, your adrenaline starts pumping. And you don't know what to do. Like, do you go straight to the hospital? Do you call labor and delivery or the maternity ward to see how busy it is? Do you just kind of stay at home and wait it out until like you're in, you know, bent over in excruciating pain when you're like, oh my God, it's too late. We need to call an ambulance. <laughs> or, or like for us in our hospital, does the time of day that you go into labor has an impact on what you do. So does the time of day matter what you do when you go into labor? At our hospital, if it's after 9 p.m. and you go into labor, you have to go to the emergency room first to be registered, and then they send you over to labor and delivery. Whereas if it's before, if it's between like maybe 8 a.m. and 9 p.m., and you go into labor, you just go straight to labor and delivery, and they register you there and deal with all that. It's funny because if you have an early morning C-section at our hospital, the third option, which very few people will know about, is you go to the center registration. So because it's kind of in transition, there's like a one or two hour window where you don't go to emerge, you go to center registration uh, and then you go upstairs because they're not actually in labor and delivery to register you yet. Oh, really? Funny, eh? Yeah. No, no idea about that. Yeah. But like, so ultimately 
this is probably a good question for to ask for your spouse or your support person as well. How long do you wait it out? If you're, if you're going to wait it out, like what is your timing and what should you be looking for before you go somewhere? Like those are things that even as a repeat mom, I need to know like, okay, what do I do for me in the past? Because I've gone premature and like with Freya, my water exploded. Um, there was, there was really no choice, but like to be like, uh, I guess we're going into the hospital right away. And then with Finn, it was like, oh, I better go do some groceries. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm in labor, but yeah, we should probably go and get checked out. I can't believe you went grocery shopping. <laughs> uh, well, it, we were supposed to go for a picnic for father's day the next day and we needed stuff for like picnic. <laughs> You didn't go on that picnic. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> but there was food in the house. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, okay, so then kind of going along of, okay, I've gone, I've gone into labor. Uh, one of the questions about C-section is when does a C-section happen? Because there's different scenarios that could result in a C-section. And for me, that is always a really big question of, okay, like what would necessitate a C-section? Well, that is a really good question. And to be honest with you, every woman, like even if you're planning on an unmedicated natural childbirth, should listen to our podcast on C-sections or at least do some sort of research on C-sections because I know quite a few women who've had to have emergency C-sections because the baby's breech or there was some sort of issue having the baby that they realized that so they had to go for emergency c-section and then the mom felt completely unprepared and it was really difficult after the fact because they'd gone in thinking i'm gonna have this this natural childbirth and then it just goes completely sideways so at least if you kind of know what happens during a c-section even though you're going the route of a natural birth in the event that you have to have a C-section, you at least know a little bit about it. Yeah, because anything could happen. Yeah, like birth is a wild card, right? Like, look at your births, right? Yeah. You, didn't, you did not expect to have two babies at 34 weeks. No, and I did not expect to have a massive trauma either. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, you know, and there's certain things like a, a trauma birth like Finn's, that you can't prepare for, no. right? Nothing can prepare you for that. But at least like if your baby ends up being breached and you have to have a C-section, you can be a little bit prepared for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, There's like a yeah. mental piece to it of, okay, like it's not what I planned for, but I have a general understanding of what could, could happen or what might need to be done now. So it's yeah. not complete blindside across uh, where you are being just totally spun into a completely new direction. Yes, you might be surprised and taken off guard, but you're not completely blindsided by it. Yeah, I think it just makes it easier if you know what the plan B is for birth, right? That's fine. Go with your A plan. Go with a natural birth. Go with meds or no meds, right? But then if something happens and they're like, hey, look, we need to have a C-section because this is the issue, your baby's breach uh, or something else, then at least you, you 
feel confident in what's going to happen next. Yeah. So. And then even, you know, they may even throw it a plan C. Yeah, exactly. It just makes it easier to go along with things if you kind of know what's going to happen. At least, yeah. at least I find it that way, but I like to be prepared. So, <laughs> well, no, it totally makes sense. And it also kind of fit. It makes a lot of sense too, with kind of what we've talked about with our resident psychotherapist, Sherry Maxwell, about kind of rolling with the punches and adapting that new mindset of accepting and just embracing and going with what's new. And ultimately the goal is a happy baby, a healthy baby. So plan A, B, C, whatever, we want the same end goal. Yeah, it doesn't matter. However the baby's born, it's born as long as it's healthy and you're you're healthy, that's what matters. So yeah. And then, okay. So now kind of going along the lines of a C, of C-section questions, this is actually a really applicable question. I think more so for the United States and our listeners in the United States, as opposed to in Canada, but what is your, your doctor's personal rate of C-section? Because, and this question means essentially means like what percentage of their patients end up having C-sections. It's a really good indication of how they will let your labor play out. Are they going to just push for a C-section just because they need to kind of get you out of the room? There is also the whole difference in Canadian healthcare and the U.S. healthcare that plays a role in it as well. Um, and then also the question of what is the hospital's rate of C-section? Um, the World Health Organization actually has an outline or an expected percentage that, or an acceptable percentage of C-sections for doctors that they put out. And it kind of goes between 12 and 14% of births that result in C-sections is appropriate and acceptable. but I would want to know how many of my doctor's patients ultimately have a C-section because if it's a really high number that odds are, they're not going to let you labor or, you know, try different scenarios before pushing for a C-section because ultimately C-sections are massive, massive surgery. They're, they're massive surgery. There's pros and cons to both ways. I always tell people that it's funny because ROB Actually, I think if I said I wanted to do a VBAC, because he asked me many times, you sure you want to have a C-section? You sure you want to have a C-section? But then when I decided to get my tubes removed, I'm like, yeah, I want, want to get a C-section. Because <laughs> I think I was probably a good candidate for a VBAC. But I also know uh, we had a friend who tried for a VBAC and ended up with a C-section. So, you know, birth is one of those funny things. But definitely, if you're really wanting that vaginal birth, if your doctor or the hospital has a high rate, you might want to think about a different OB. Yeah. And ultimately it's just a matter of, are you going to be pushed into a C-section when it's maybe not necessary? Yeah, exactly. There are, there are situations where that happens. You said particularly more in the States than here. Cause I think our OB wanted me to have a vaginal birth. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what is the uh, next question on your list? Okay, so am I able to push in other positions besides lying down on my back in a bed? Can I get up? Can I go on all fours? Can I use the chair? 
or the, the bar, the, the birthing bar, or go on this on your side. Um, all of those positions besides prone, which is on your back, for sure. I think if you look into it back, laying on your back and pushing in the prone position is like the least effective, gravitationally effective position, but it's so universally common um, because it's make, it's a lot easier for the doctor to be in front rather than underneath. So did you try any of the other positions? So for both of them, I pushed. So with Freya, I delivered her on my side. So I was side up. I had one leg up um, and because I was a super power pusher that, that way. Um, so I was on my side with one leg up and the end of the bed had dropped off, which is very common for when you're doing a vaginal birth. They just kind of drop the end of the bed, but they tilted it a little bit. So it was, I was angled. Um, and so, yeah, so Freya was, I was on my side, Finn, I was on my side. And then at the very last minute, because it was such an emergency and I say very last minute when I pushed for two and a half minutes to get him out, um, or it was under three minutes that I had him out. Um, he, so I was on my side with my leg up again, and then I actually had one of the nurses flipped me. So as I was pushing, I went from my side onto my back as he was coming out, just because it was such a, um, an emergency. Um, but both times I'm, I guess I'm just more, I'm stronger in my pushing when I'm on my side with my, with one leg up, kind of like, so there, the, you, the there you go. Try the side position. <laughs> well, but like, there's, like you said, like there's the birthing part bar, there's standing, you know, on all fours. That's a really, really common one. Even standing up, uh, you know, pretty much anything that ha helps gravity kind of drop the baby down. There are some really good visual representations that kind of explain how different positions help the baby exit the birth canal and the challenge of being on your back. Well, it makes sense though. You just need to know a little tiny bit about gravity to know that that's probably not a very good position. But yeah, hey. or even or even like, am I going to be allowed to walk? I yeah. I, I always wanted to walk, like to help my labor, but it wasn't an option for either of them. Yeah, because if you get an epidural, yeah, apparently you you can get a walking epidural. I've heard of those. I don't know yeah. if those are options, but you can. There is something oh. called a walking epidural. Maybe at our um, listeners' hospital, it is an option, right? Yeah, ask about it. <laughs> yeah. Bonus question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, there's different positions. So, you know, look into what type of positions you might be interested in. And then um, if that will be possible in your hospital during labor. It doesn't hurt to ask, right? Like, what are they, the worst is going to say no, or it'll work until this point and doesn't work. Right. Exactly. If you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. So the next one is, what does the hospital provide for me and the baby? So like pads, mesh underwear, diapers, wipes, formula. What about a breast pump? Yep. And Things then supplies like for breast pumps. Like yeah. Breast like um, nipple nipple pads or or like breast pads all those things. Well, and it's funny because in Canada, they don't 
necessarily provide that much. I know, you know, I got like one pair of mesh underwear and I think I had to, we had to supply our own diapers. Yeah. Right. Like Canada's pretty basic. I think because it's, uh, it's government funded. I do think that it's, well, I don't necessarily know it's, if it's basic. I think it depends on the hospital because I know of hospitals in Canada where they provide everything for you. And I also think it's the situ the situation you're in because for me, I had wipes provided. I had breastfeeding supplies in the sense of microwavable bags and breast pads and lanolin Um, I had diapers provided, but we were in the NICU as well as the special care nursery. So we were, we had all that extra. You were completely unprepared, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because at 34 weeks, you don't think you're having the baby. So also too, because you're, I was staying at the hospital after discharge, right? Like they, I was literally, it's a bit of a different experience. So I was in the nursery pumping I was I got not bottles for milk but bottles those little you know those newborn bottles that have the micro the different color like different blue green lids so I got those too like so what I got was the mesh underwear they had some pads for mom uh, and then the boys did and Caroline did get formula but I had to provide like the diapers wipes all my supplies like the lanolin and and uh, breast pads and pump and stuff. I like I brought my own wipes and diapers in eventually. Yeah, and because I was in the nursery, we were also using um, like instead of wipes, we were just using warm towel like cloths, hand towels. Mm-hmm. So we used that because there was a ready like a readily available supply there too. So I think it also depends on your situation and kind of where you are in the in the ward. That kind of makes sense mm-hmm. because like having babies in the NICU changes the story, right? Because the nurses would have to change them more or totally for the first little bit. Mm -hmm. Whereas like my kids were in the room with me almost from the get go. (laughs) Like the boy, the boy spent the night in the nursery. Caroline, surprise, surprise. They're like, here, you're all hooked up to stuff, but take care of your baby. I'm like, what? I don't have a support person. (laughs) Where's my night's sleep? Yeah. Anyways, if you want to know more about Caroline's birth, you can listen to it. And also, if you want to know what your hospital provides, then ask your doctor. Exactly. So my next one is what does recovery at the hospital look like? So like how long will you stay in the hospital like for a vaginal birth and for a C-section um, because they have different stays? Yeah, I think that's a really good idea to be prepared because, you know, if you're packing a bag, if you know that you're going for a scheduled C-section, how much stuff do you need to pack? You have a certain number of days that you know you need to pack for. Where we are, our hospital for a scheduled C-section, it was two to three days depending and but it it could change right and I'm not really sure what the discharge is on vaginal births but I think the turnaround's fairly quick it is um I think if everything goes okay you're looking at like 24 hours for discharge yeah Um, I've heard of some people having the baby in the morning and being home like 
for dinner or right after dinner. So I know, I know my situation was vastly unique with Finn, uh, but I will say that I was discharged. I voluntarily discharged myself after four and a half hours after giving birth. Yeah, that's a little bit different. You could barely walk. I could walk, but my I know, but my epidural was still like I wasn't fully unfrozen from my epidural. I could walk. Yeah. I distinctly well, you, remember you had to walk out of there. So I distinctly remember my dad me walking in the house to pack to go actually pack a hospital bag after I had been discharged to go to the new hospital with Finn and and my dad being like, I can't believe that you're you know, walking at this point. <laughs> yeah, like that's just crazy. I was like, I don't know. I got to go run upstairs and grab my stuff. Yeah. You know, adrenaline pump kicks in and you don't care. Like you just that's do. Totally true. The whole mama bear thing, right? Yeah, you just do. So then I have the question, what's the hospital's policy on breastfeeding and learning how to breastfeed? Like, do they support you? Yeah, I think most hospitals have some sort of lactation consultant on staff that comes around. And some of the nurses will help you too, at least at our hospital. I, it's, it's not uncommon, I think, to have like a maternity ward or postpartum nurse that is also a, lact- a qualified lactation consultant. I think quite often those kind of worlds overlap a little bit. But I yeah. think... You can also get into a situation where maybe some hospitals or situations are not. I've heard of nurses or doctors not giving moms the chance to breastfeed and like try and figure it out. Um, And they just kind of say like, oh, you just need to start start formula because the baby's hungry Um, and not really give the chance to try and learn and support that learning. Well, it's funny because I've also heard of hospitals, particularly in the States, who do the opposite. They insist on you breastfeeding and then the baby does not get the food that it needs. Really? So funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's this big push going on. I forget what they call it. And I was reading it. I was like, oh my gosh. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that your baby's fed. So whatever way you decide to feed your baby, like uh, I just couldn't breastfeed. Uh, Katie successfully breastfed both of her babies. Uh, we have a friend who decided breastfeeding just wasn't for her, uh, particularly with her second baby, because she just kind of struggled with it. And hey, that's perfectly fine. So uh, whatever works, as long as your baby is fed. Yeah, if you really want to breastfeed and someone's forcing formula on you, like give yourself a bit of a chance. Um, there are some great lactation consultants. We have a lactation consultant who is part of our mommy mentorship. So there's lots of great information uh, that she gives that could help you out. And if you need one-on-one with someone like her, she can do it virtually and you, you can get the support is what I'm trying to say. So if you want to give it a good try, give it a good try. If you need to do a little bit of both, like breastfeeding and formula feeding, you can figure that out. And if you decide, no, formula is the way for me, then that's fine too. Yeah. I did. I did both with Freya in the beginning. I had to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it can be done. And then I think on the flip side, that also goes to another question of like, what is your hospital policy on formula that fits with what you've read about too? Yeah. Like if the hospital is kind of anti-formula like that, that makes it really tough 
for you to decide what's right for you, right? So, and if the hospital's going to shove formula down your throat, <laughs> that also makes it hard to decide what's right for you. So ultimately, you need to be prepared and do a little bit of research and have the support you need if you're going to try to breastfeed. And if you think formula is the way for you, then by all means, formula babies are, are fed and happy babies. So, so I think we have a pretty good list of stuff. I think this is a really, really thorough list. And obviously, you know, as your own questions come up, add them to your list. Absolutely. Like, don't take this as a be all end all. I think this is a really great start list to kind of get the ball rolling and your brain going. Because I think like, you can never ask too many questions. No, you can never, you can never know enough about giving birth. Like there's always going to be surprises. So ask, ask, ask all the questions that come into your head. Absolutely. And if you need this list, just head to our website, bestlifemomsclub.com. And all you have to do is sign up. If you've already signed up, it will still be there for you. We add new things all the time and it will be here. You just print and go and take it to your doctor with you.